Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Good morning, good morning. What a sweet presence of the Lord this morning. And I feel like we were just taking off. We were just getting going. We could have just kept going. So good. God is so good. It's so good to be here this morning. It's so good to see all of your faces. I am just so grateful for this church. And a huge part of that is you, you guys. Um, the people who call this their church home, uh, and I say this with all sincerity, are some of the most amazing people that I've ever met in my entire life. And I mean that. And I'm just so grateful. The Lord was just reminding me of just like the history of this church and where we've came from. And I'm just so grateful uh, for this church and for all of you. So thank you just for being here and being part of this uh, awesome family. When we get together, it's just like a family reunion. And we got aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and moms and dads. And uh, it's my favorite time of the week by far. And just love being with y'all. Y'all. My country's coming out this morning, and I'm not even from the South, so I don't know how that's possible. All right, um, I do have some funny things for you this morning, so let's just get our laughers warmed up. Ha, 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 he, 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 ho, 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 ha, 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 it just always works for me. It always actually, this real laughter just starts to come. It's, uh, you can just choose to go there. Okay, sometimes... I get road rage walking behind people in the grocery store. Am I the only one? I guess I have one familiar laughter over there. One person who knows what I'm talking about. All right. Must just be me. I dusted once. It came back. I'm not falling for that again. Makes perfect sense to me. Chinese takeout, $12. Tip, $3. Getting home and finding out that they forgot part of your order. Riceless. Riceless. Is this on? No, they forgot the rice in the order. I'll explain that to you. Okay, this one is me. I relate to this one. You never realize how little self-control you actually have until chips and salsa are set in front of you at a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> That's me. I always forget to save room, and I'm like, hey, I, I feel like I'm pretty full. Let's just go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and I have one more for you. Some things are better left unsaid, which I generally realize right after I've said them. <laughs> That's definitely me. There, anybody ever had that moment? Like, yeah, that, that would have been left better unsaid. All right, Jesus, we thank you, Father. Oh, Father, we just thank you. You're so good. We just thank you for your presence. What a sweet presence that we got to experience and enjoy this morning. Just thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. We just welcome you. I just pray for such a deep sense of your presence this morning. I just pray for just a deeper sense of your goodness, your love this morning, Father. Jesus, we just thank you. What a wonderful Savior that you are. I just pray for a blessing over each person here this morning. Just put your hand on your heart. Yeah, we just thank you. Holy Spirit, what a friend we have in you, Holy Spirit. Just say, Holy Spirit, speak to my heart this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Is this, is this mic okay? Is it going in and out or is that my ears? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want us to do something real quick. Um, I have a, a message this morning that I believe is a really important message for our church, and I'm really excited to share it with you. But before that, I want to do something. I want to ask us to just pray. How many know that your prayers are powerful and effective? Your prayers are important. They're powerful. They're effective, and they hit heaven. And I believe when we agree together as a corporate body and we just pray and agree together, I believe that it's really powerful. And so I just want us to take a moment this morning and pray for Bill Johnson. I want to pray for Bill. 
I want to pray for Brian and Eric and their family, and I want to pray for the Bethel family at large. Uh, most of you have probably heard, but uh, Benny Johnson passed away this week. She went to be with the Lord on Wednesday. And I just want to take about a minute and just let's just pray. Um, let's just begin to pray right now. We're going to pray out loud together. Father, we just pray for Bill. God, we pray for you, just your comfort. Just go ahead. Just begin to pray with me. Let's just agree together. We pray for Bill. We pray for Eric. We pray for Candace. We pray for Brian and Jen. We pray for uh, Bill's daughter. God, we pray for such comfort to be around them right now. God, we pray for your arms to just wrap around them right now. We just thank you for the life of Benny. We thank you that she's with you. But we pray for those of us that are, are still here on earth, that you're just bringing comfort, especially to Bill and the family right now. And we pray for the Bethel family at large. Bless them. God, we know that you don't waste anything, that you will fully redeem this. We just declare cancer healings are coming in just radical, abundant numbers. In Jesus' name, we just thank you for it. Amen. All right. Thank you for doing that. I believe our prayers are powerful. I want to say thank you to Tina. I missed my opportunity when she, when she was up here. But I want to say thank you, Tina, for jumping in last week. Love you so much and appreciate you. There you are. Yeah. Thank you so much for blessing us with that word last week. My family was, was out last week. Um, COVID went through our whole family, and um, it was an interesting, interesting time. But I'm glad that we are uh, healthy, we're back to normal, that we're over it, we're past our quarantine, and uh, we're back. So. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you, Jesus. I want to start in Galatians chapter 3 this morning. Galatians 3. We're going to be reading five verses, starting in verse 10. So if you want to follow along, it's Galatians 3, uh, starting verse 10 through verse 14. When you're there, say, I'm there. All right. Galatians 3, verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one, relies, uh, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So good. So good. The righteous, verse 11, says, The righteous will live by faith. We are living by faith. We're relying completely on our faith in Jesus Christ and on what he performed, what he did, his finished work at the cross. I'm not relying on my ability to perform the law perfectly because Jesus Christ came and he performed the law perfectly on our behalf. This is why he said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law because he was the only one who could fulfill the law. He fulfilled it perfectly, every iota to the letter, and then through faith in Jesus Christ, we have, we have actually fulfilled the law. Did you know that? We're seen in Christ as per perfectly fulfilling the law because Christ did it for us. And when we put our faith in him, we live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. So we're relying on Jesus and what he did. We're justified by Jesus 
and by what he did. And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because there's no condemnation for Christ. Would you agree with that? Since there's no condemnation for Christ and we're in him, there's no condemnation for us. So now God doesn't want us to relate to him through the law and through rules. He wants us to relate to him through a relationship with his son, Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Amen. We're to relate to God through a relationship through his son, Jesus Christ. The righteous will live by faith. So I want to ask you a question today. Are we living day to day? moment to moment, by faith or by what we can see. Because if you live in the situations in your life, in the things that happen to you week to week, day to day, if you live by what you can see, you'll always have a reason to be discouraged. And that's true for every single person who has ever lived in every time period. If you live by what you can see, You'll always have a reason to be discouraged. But if you live by faith, you'll always be filled with the presence of God. You'll always have a reason to be encouraged. So when we live by faith, we live knowing that God works all things together for our good, that God is for us, that we are completely accepted in in the Father's love. We are completely loved and embraced by him because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. And we always have a reason to be optimistic. I'm excited about my future five years from now. I'm excited about my future 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, because of my faith is where it needs to be. It's not in what I've done. It's not in this culture, what's happening culturally. It's not in politics. It's solely in Jesus and what he's done for me on the cross. And I can get excited about my future, and so can you. Amen? Because of what Jesus has done. This is why we come in our family reunion to celebrate Jesus, what he's done. So do you have a faith-filled vision for your future? What's your vision for your future? Do you have a faith-filled vision of the future, knowing that God is for you, knowing that Romans 8.28 is true, he's working all things together for your good, everything that's happened in your life that looks like death and destruction, God is bringing redemption to. So do you have a faith-filled vision for this? Are we living with an awareness of God or are we just adding God into our lives on Sundays? Because we can live with a constant awareness of God and Jesus Christ inside of us. This is one of the most important things to walk in in peace in this life. How many want to walk in peace and joy in this life? I, I hope it's all of us, right? How many wouldn't raise their hand no matter what I said? So I'm going to give you a key. This is, this is a huge key to walking in peace. We all want to walk in peace. We all want to walk in joy. I'm going to give you the key right here to walking in peace in your life. Not just on Sundays when you hit worship and your worship's good. And like, oh, there it is. There it is. Thank you, Jesus. Found it. But every day, every day, every moment, you can walk in his peace. So peace comes from being aware of his presence. Awareness of his presence comes from acknowledging him. Let me say it again. Peace comes from being aware of his presence. Awareness of his presence comes from acknowledging him. It's really not that difficult. I want to share a story with you. I've been excited to share this story. I came across this story, and I can become a little obsessive sometimes. I I saw this story, and then I just kind of devoured everything I could find about this story and read about it and watched several videos about it. And it's about this lady. Her name is Dr. Mary Neal. If you want to look up her story, you can. Uh, Neal is N-E-A-L. Dr. Mary Neal. Her story is she grew up uh, Catholic, And she said um, she kind of knew who the Lord was, but 
she's a very super intelligent woman, very well put together. She said when she went to college, she exchanged most of her religious beliefs, this is her words, most of her religious beliefs for uh, intellectual ones. And she said that um, God became like kind of like the last thing that was important in her life, the last thing in her to-do list. And she said, honestly, I didn't really even feel like I needed God. She's like, you know, I was very smart, very accomplished. She became a um, spinal surgeon. Uh, she calls she calls herself a scientist. She was a scientist and a spinal surgeon. So now she's actively living her life as a spinal surgeon. She's married. She has four kids. And uh, she said, I was an integrous person. I tried to live a life of integrity. We did go to church, but we're more cultural Christians, just like, well, that's what you do on Sunday. And one of the things that her and her husband loved to do was to kayak, and so they had this uh, uh, vacation that they took in South America in Chile, or Chile, however you want to say it, where they went kayaking and they took on this uh, specifically t uh, tough river that's like known to be pretty tough for experienced kayakers, but they're very experienced. And in this river, there's lots of uh, places where there's waterfalls and they actually navigate these waterfalls. And she decided to take on this specifically tough waterfall. And when she went down this waterfall, her boat gets wedged underwater um, in between these rocks, as well as her legs uh, was, was wedged as well. So she's captured underwater. She said it was uh, about 8 to 10 feet of water that she was underneath. And she was trapped, and she couldn't get out. And she tried everything she could do to get herself free. And then she said there was a moment when she realized, I'm not getting out. Like, it's, it's not going to happen. And she said in that moment, the only thing that she thought to do is she said, the only prayer that I had ever said in my life was the Lord's Prayer. And she said in that moment, the only prayer that came to mind was, Lord, your will be done. Your will be done in this situation. Whatever you want to be done, Lord, your will be done. She said, as she said that prayer, she felt Jesus Christ holding her. And she's like, I knew it was Jesus, just like I would know if it were my husband. It's like it was Jesus Christ. And what's amazing is one of her uh, versions of the story is on a TED Talk. And I, when I watched it, I was like, okay, this is probably going to be a watered-down version, and it's not at all. She's like, Jesus Christ held me in the water. So she says, Jesus is, is holding her. As she says, Lord, your will be done, she feels Jesus holding her. And Jesus takes her through a life review. And she's aware of what's happening. She says, when Jesus held her, she said, no pain. She had no fear. She actually felt complete peace. She said, I felt better than I'd ever felt in my life. And Jesus takes her through a life review. And her life review, she said, had very little to do with judgment and had a whole lot to do with compassion, love, and understanding. The Lord took her through every painful moment of her life and all the people that had hurt her, but she saw it from God's perspective, and she had complete love and compassion and understanding for every person that had ever hurt her in her life. And she actually saw their situation, and she actually had understanding and compassion and love for them. And then the Lord showed her all the things that she had done in her life that, that was wrong and the people that she hurt, but he showed her from a lens of compassion, the, the compassion that he had for her in those moments and the understanding that he had for her in those moments. And so she's even able to forgive herself and see her herself in these moments with love and compassion. And she said, um, by this time, um, she's she can hear the sound of her bones breaking because her legs are lodged and there's just this profuse ton of water coming over her and it's the water's trying to pull her out she can hear her bones breaking she can uh, hear like her, her ligaments were tearing she knew that that was happening but she had no pain at all because she's in this heavenly encounter and then she's now she's walking on a path and she's greeted by these people who she says she's known uh, who, who have known her for her entire existence is the way she puts it and she says, everybody is extremely elated to see her. Like, they're so excited to see her. She's walking into, into heaven. 
and she's surrounded. She's going down this path, and she's surrounded by flowers, these most beautiful flowers she's ever seen. She said it's the most beautiful smell she's ever experienced. And one thing about her was she loved flowers. It was like a thing that was one of the ways that she, like, encountered God was just through uh, flowers. She loved flowers. So she's experiencing this. And she's walking down this path with people that are just so excited and they're so excited to take her into heaven. Simultaneously now, she can see, she can look back and see what's happening to her on earth. She sees by this time, uh, it took them 30 minutes. This is all documented, by the way. It took them 30 minutes to get her out of the water, which no one should be able to survive that. And in 30 minutes, uh, she's on the shore, and she's being resuscitated. And, and meanwhile, she can see all this happening. She can see her dead, lifeless body, and she's walking into heaven with these people. And they get to what she said is, is, seems like the entrance to heaven, and she's overwhelmed with excitement to go into heaven. And one of the things about her story, she says, I'm almost always embarrassed to share this part of the story. She said, I had zero desire to go, to go, come back to my body, to go back to earth. She's like, I realize I'm home. And she's like, I'm, in, I'm embarrassed to share that part because I had four little kids and I'm married. And she said, but I had zero desire to go back to my body. She's like, I'm home. I'm not going back. <laughs> and she gets to the gates of heaven and then she said simultaneously with a group of people that were with her and, and also with her, a, a realization came that it wasn't her time to come to heaven, that she was going to have to go back. And she goes, I'm not, I'm not going back. I'm home. <laughs> and she said, I protested. She said, I'm not, I'm not going back. I, I mean, I'm home now. And she said, then she had a realization that you're going back. You don't have a choice. And she said, simultaneously, she was given a to-do list. These are some, you're, it's not your time to die yet, and this is the things that I want you to do on earth. And she said, I'm the kind of person, very pragmatic, very intelligent, like I was very accomplished, like uh, academically. She's like, I'm the kind of person that would get a to-do list. And she's like, and I was given a to-do list, and she said, nothing on the list was easy. It was all going to require like a challenge of me, but here's my list. And she said, I, I now felt myself going back into my body. She goes back into her body. She still has no pain, miraculously, because her legs are just mangled. And out of nowhere, they're in the middle of the jungle. This is 1999. There's no cell phones. There's no sat phones. They're in the middle of nowhere. And out of nowhere, two Chileans come in a, with a, a boat and put her in the boat, strap her down, and start to carry her uh, in this boat, drag her out of the jungle, and she said they took her for miles, and then they come up a hill and over this hill, and there's a road there, and there's an ambulance waiting for her. This ambulance takes her to the hospital, and she said, to this day, we don't know who the Chileans were, and we don't know how an ambulance got there. It makes no sense. She, she believes that those were angels that came to get her. So she has a couple weeks in the hospital, and, and she, um, she says in the two weeks, she was in and out of, like, encounters. She said, I, I didn't know if I was here or there. She's like, I was having encounters of, with heaven. So I wanted to tell you this story, though, because she said from this event that happened, she said since that event, it's 1999, she said, I've lived with this constant awareness of God in my life and, and the constant awareness of the presence of God in my life. Ten years later, her son was killed in a car accident. And she said in her grief, she said the encounter she had with heaven didn't spare her from a normal grief process. But she said in her grief, in, in her worst moments, in her darkest days of of grieving her son, she was still able to have peace and joy because she had the presence of God. So this, this is how we can live. We can live with a constant awareness of God and Jesus Christ inside of us. Peace comes from being aware of his presence and awareness of his presence comes from acknowledging him. We can live with a constant awareness of the presence of God. We can live this way. 
Start making it a practice in your life just to acknowledge his presence. There's a book called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. You can wake up every morning, good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Father. Thank you that I am completely accepted by you, Father. Thank you that I'm completely loved by you, Father. Thank you that you are working all things together for my good. Thank you that you're with me today. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. Lord, make me just aware of your presence throughout the day. You can just live your life like this. You can live with an awareness of the presence of God. He's always with you. So we're not trying to connect to God because we're already connected to him. We're trying to discover the connection that we already have. It's, it's always right there. It's always right there, and it's as quick as just acknowledging it. Oh, God, thank you that I'm connected to you. It's no longer I who lives. It's Christ who lives in me. You're completely loved at all times in the Father. You're held by the Father you're not judged by the Father because you're in Christ. He's completely happy with you. He's at peace with you. You may not be at peace with yourself, but God's at peace with you if you're in Christ, if you've said yes to Jesus. I want to tell you another story um, about Chad Deadman. Now, Chad's become a, a friend of mine since he's came here. We, we often text back and forth and talk on the phone. And uh, we uh, visited him and his wife, Julia, when we were up in Reading. Um, when uh, we went up to see Tia's graduation from BSSM. And Chad, one of the things I love about Chad is he's like all in. And he's been all in, like his whole adult life, he's just been all in for Jesus. Like, <laughs> remember when Rick was here a couple weeks ago, he's talking about the guy with the, the horns tattooed on his head? And he, and, he, and he said, that guy was all in. He was like all in for Satan. And like, Chad is like somebody who's like, he's been all in for Jesus since he was 18. When he was 18, he just said, Lord, I don't want to date. I just, Jesus, I just want to date you for a year. And for his, for his whole year of his 18th year of his life, he dated Jesus. This is kind of like, this guy's radical. He would, go to, he would go to a restaurant. He has so many funny stories. But he'd go to restaurants, and he'd get a table for two, and, and the waiter would be like, is your, is your, is your uh, date coming? He's like, oh, no, they're here. And he would just talk to Jesus. He would eat, and, and he said, sometimes I'd order Jesus a meal, and then Jesus wouldn't be too hungry, so I would eat, I would eat his meal too. And he would talk to Jesus. He'd take walks on the beach, uh, on the beach with Jesus, and talk to Jesus. He's, he's like, I'd, I'd hold hands with Jesus. Jesus, you're so beautiful. It just he spent a whole year. He's like, I don't want to date Lord. I don't want to date a woman yet. I just want to date you, Jesus. And he's just radical. He said some of the most radical encounters I've ever heard. Him and his dad prayed for a guy that had no thumb, and his thumb grew back. Watch this guy's thumb for him. He's like, when, he's like, when you see something like that, he's like, your eyes are telling you this isn't possible, but you're seeing something that's not possible become possible. He has a, there's a story about him that Bill Johnson likes to tell a lot where he went to the grocery store one time and uh, he had a word of knowledge for the, the checkout lady. And she, he ends up giving her a word of knowledge, and she gets healed. And then she's crying. The manager comes over. He gives the manager a word of knowledge. She gets touched by the Lord. She's wrecked. He says, he starts getting words of knowledge for people that are walking around in the grocery store. And he says, can I have the intercom? The, the manager gives him the intercom, and he goes, there's a lady on aisle five that has neck problems. Come up to checkout seven. We're going to pray for you. He's calling out words of knowledge. And eventually, there's a line of people not to buy groceries but to get prayer and people are just getting radically healed and and touched and there's like a revival meeting in the grocery store this guy swims with sharks he's crazy surfs with goats and I brought him up because he was here a year and a half ago. He was here after that too, but the first time he was here was a year and a half ago. And I interviewed him, and you can see the interview on Awaken Life Church YouTube page. 
But I interviewed him right back there. And one of the questions I asked him was, tell us, tell me about prayer. What's your prayer life look like? Like, what can you tell us about prayer? It's something I always like to ask people I respect spiritually. And he said, you know, somebody asked me this question years ago, and the Holy Spirit told me, tell them you pray 24-7. And he, and he said he's having this inner dialogue with the Lord. And he goes, Lord, you know that's not true. I do not pray 24-7. And he said, no, Chad, your spirit is in communion with my spirit 24-7. 24-7. The Bible talks about praying without ceasing. That doesn't mean to just walk around constantly muttering prayers. It's more about being aware of the presence of God inside of you at all times. That he's always there. What is prayer? Prayer is communion with God. It's being aware that you're in communion with God at all times. Said, Chad, tell them you pray 24-7 because your spirit's communing with my spirit at all times. See, we're in a journey of recognizing how our spirit is engaged with the spirit of God. Your spirit is connected to God, but our journey is recognizing that our spirits are connected and that he's right there at all times. And when we acknowledge this, when we start to realize it, this is something you can cultivate in your life. And the more you cultivate it, the greater level of peace and joy that you'll have. Because he is peace. He is joy. So the more that you realize that he's right there at all times, the, the deeper level of peace and joy that you're going to carry in your life. When you enter into this way of living, ministering to other people becomes a lot more effortless because you're not trying to do something like we read this morning. You're not trying to be good enough. You're not trying to do a, a good deed or make sure you follow the law correctly, but you're in communion with God and he'll just direct you in your life. He'll just say, you'll just be aware of his presence. He'll just be, say, pray for that person over there. Go tell that person that you, I love their smile. Just encourage this person, and it's just an overflow of being aware of his presence. This, this is, again, this is why we're not trying to be law followers. We're trying to commune with Jesus. And then ministry is overflow. It's not a to-do list that we're trying to check off. You were designed, and I mean this literally, to live with an awareness of his presence. This is the way God's created you. It's in your very DNA. You're designed to be aware of his presence and to walk and carry his presence. You are not designed for anxiety. You're not designed for fear. You are not designed to, to walk seen by what you can see. We don't want to walk by sight. We want to walk by the spirit. You were designed to carry his presence and to be aware of his presence. So when you're learning to live with an awareness of his presence, there's nothing in life that you won't be able to handle. No matter what comes your way, there's nothing in life that you won't be able to handle. That's one of the reasons I shared that story is because that part of the, uh, Dr. Mary Neal's testimony is so impactful to me that she says, my, my son died. It was the worst thing I'd ever experienced, but there wasn't a day that went by during that period of my mourning where I didn't have peace and joy because I was aware of his presence. I was aware that he was with me during the hardest time of my life. This is what causes us to endure the wilderness seasons of life. This is why we can be optimistic about the future and know that we're going to be okay, whatever comes. Because he's with us. He's working all things together for our good. This is how you can be imprisoned like Paul and Silas. The Bible says that they had stocks on their feet and they had chains on their hands and they're singing with joy in their heart. This is how you can literally be imprisoned and have joy in your heart because you have his presence. This is all we really need is his presence. Nothing can overwhelm you because nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing can separate you from his love. 
The more that we become aware of God's presence in our lives, the less we really can be threatened by anything. You don't have to be afraid of anything. I remember when God was taking me on a journey of setting me free from fear and intimidation, he spoke to me once and he goes, Daniel, you don't have to be afraid of anything ever. Fear doesn't have to be a part of your life at all. That was a pretty big revelation to me because the fear kind of dominated my life at the time. And it didn't seem possible that I could live without fear. But fear doesn't have to be a part of your life. And the more you receive God's love, the more that you're in his presence, the more that you realize God is love and in his perfect love, there is no fear. It actually casts out fear. And you realize you're really not threatened by anything. You know, we're talking, we're singing this morning about roaring like a lion. And the lion is like not threatened by anything. You realize this is one of the things about a lion? There's, he's at the top of the food chain. There's not another animal that, can, that threatens a lion. He's never intimidated. I, I saw this video of this dog just comes up and he's just charging this lion and the lion's just staring at him. He's just like, what are you doing, man? We have Jesus inside of us and we can't be threatened by anything because the lion of Judah is inside of us. The lion's not threatened by anything. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can overwhelm you because nothing can separate you from his love. So I want to remind you this morning that heaven is your home. Earth is not your home. This isn't it. This is not your home. Heaven is your home. By the way, that's a commonality of, that's one of the things I love to do is read heaven encounters. And one of the commonalities is everybody says, oh, I'm home. I'm, I'm finally home. This isn't home. Heaven is home, and we need to live with that perspective. You can actually enjoy this life more if you have that perspective. Otherwise, if you don't have that perspective, we're clinging onto this life for identity. We're clinging onto this life for, for purpose, for meaning, for safety, for direction, instead of clinging onto Jesus in our heavenly home and knowing that, wow, this is, this is just an adventure. I get to just enjoy this for what it is. I'm not clinging onto this life for, for my identity, for trying to find meaning here on earth. My meaning is in Christ. Your identity is found completely in Christ. You can't find your identity by searching this world. Your identity is completely found in Christ. So you can enjoy this world. We need to live with an eternal perspective that I'm just passing through. The Bible calls us aliens here in this earth. I'm just passing through, and this is my summer camp experience, and I get to experience it for what it is. I mean, a summer camp's kind of fun, and it's also kind of scary. There's some good things about summer camp. There's some not-so-good things about summer camp. But one of the things about being at summer camp is you know you're going to go back home, and you get to sleep in your bed, and you get to be back with mom and dad and be safe again and be loved so we can kind of look at this life as this is our summer camp adventure. And we're, we're, not, we're not here permanently. This is just, we're just passing through. We're just, it's, it happens so quick. It happens so quick. I can't believe I'm, I'm going to be 46 this year. That just doesn't even make sense to me. I used to look at 30-year-olds and be like, wow, that's so old. It goes quick. And as you know, most of us that have been around a little bit, it goes quicker and quicker and quicker the older you get. I believe as we age, the longing to go home becomes more and more intense. I want to tell you another quick story. This is about my grandpa, my dad's dad, Glenn Willett. He passed away when he was 96. He died on Christmas Day. And 
he had an encounter with God on December 23rd, two days before he passed away. He had this dream, and in the dream, two angels came to him. And he said he knew in the dream, he knew there were his guardian angels. He knew that these angels had been with him his whole life. And they came to him and said, we're getting ready to, to take you home. And he said as they walked away, he could see they were holding something in their hand. It was a plaque with his name on it. He called the whole family. This is the next day, December 24th, Christmas Eve, the day before he passed. He called the whole family, and he was excited. He was like, I'm going home to be with Jesus. Um, and he was so excited. He called all his kids. He had eight kids. I'm going home to be with Jesus. And I think it's going to be on Christmas Day. And he was excited. How many want to go out like that? That's the way I want to go out. <laughs> and he did. He, the next day, Christmas Day, he went home to be with Jesus. The more that I've lived this life, the, the least the less satisfied I've been with my earth experience. And I love life. I love my kids. I love being married. But there's a longing to be with Jesus. And I know that we're connected with him right now and we're with him right now. But this, the Bible says this is a shadow. And this longing just, it gets deeper and deeper to be like, I want to be in my home, my permanent home with Jesus. So we need to carry this perspective. Don't cling too tightly on this, on, under this life. Don't try to find identity and meaning in this earthly experience. It only comes from knowing Jesus. God is love, and you're designed and created for his love and to be embraced by it. There's no fear in his love, but his perfect fear or his perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment, and those who fear punishment have not been perfected in his love. If you have any ounce of fearing punishment from God, you've not been fully embraced by his love yet, to where you know, man, there's really no condemnation. There's really, God has nothing for me but love, because I'm in Christ. Destructive emotions only exist in the absence of love. And beauty, by the way, that's one of the things Dr. Mary Neal talks about. She, she actually, I forgot to say that part, but she actually said that in her life review, she saw how God brought beauty out of the worst experiences of her life. She saw how each and every bad experience, he actually took it and made something beautiful. So beauty comes out of Every painful life experience if you're in Christ. So there's a couple important things I want to leave you with today. I'm wrapping up here. Number one, no experience with God is valuable unless it creates change. No experience with God is valuable unless it creates change in your life. When God encounters you, he intends for it to create change in your life, different perspective. He intends for it to mold you in a different way, to reveal a deeper part of himself so that it actually shifts you in your life. One of the saddest things I see as a pastor, we're blessed in, in this church to see lots of physical healing. But one of the saddest things I see as a, as a pastor is someone that comes and gets radically healed by God, radically touched by God. And they're like, thanks God, and they just they don't let it mark their life and they just go right back to the way they live before. And not even that they're living a terrible life, but it didn't mark them the way that God intended it to mark them. Do you know why God heals people? Yes, God wants his children to be well and he doesn't want anybody to be in pain. Yes. Bigger than that, because he wants you to know that he loves you. He wants to mark you with his love. Like, I love you. And that's what changes us when we experience and encounter a love like that. So no experience with God is valuable unless it creates change. Some of you may have had experiences or encounters with God that were meant to create change in you, but you might have minimized them or dismissed them, or maybe they didn't create the full change in you that God intended. But here's the good news. It's not too late. 
So God's even been encouraging me to go back to the things that he's done in my life, the times where he's encountered me. And, and he's like, I want you to let them just mark your life. Like, I want, I want you to, to dig into them deeper until you receive everything that I intended for this encounter that you had with me to do. Whether you've been healed by God, if you've been healed with, by God, let it mark you. Like, wow, God, I, I'm well because of you. You touched me, the God of all the universe. There's eight billion of us. You touched me individually because you love me. If you've had an experience with God where you've encountered his love, his joy, his goodness, go back to those experiences and let them just cut you deep and mark you until it changes everything about you. We're fully known, we're fully loved. Because of this, we can live without regret. We can live without remorse, bitterness, anger, or sadness from our past experiences. So number one, press into your past experiences and encounters with God. Let it cut you deep. Let it create in you the change that he intended to cause in you. Last thing is, where is your thin space? So we're talking about living a life of presence. So where is your thin space? What is a thin space? What's just the place for you where heaven and earth seems very thin? Where you encounter God the most? Maybe it's the forest. For Chad Deadman, it's on the water. He, when he was 18, he... Um, he was at this meeting, and this pastor said, you know, well-intentioned, if you have hobbies that are not Jesus, you need to throw them on the altar. And he said, so I put my surfboard on the altar. And two months later, he was in uh, Florida, and they were having these great swells, and he's just like, oh, my gosh, I want to I go surfing right now. And he's like, Lord, I want to go surfing, but I, I threw my surfboard on the altar, and the Lord said, I never told you to do that. The Lord said, I love when you go surfing because I love to encounter you in that place. So he borrowed his friend's surfboard and he went surfing. And now he has a whole ministry called Catch the Wave where they go out into the water and they pray over the land as they're paddle boarding and surfing. Where, so where is your thin space? Where is that space where you feel connected to God? Many people who have had encounters with heaven talk about one of the first things they experience in heaven is something that was familiar with the way that they connected to God on earth. Like Dr. Mary Neal, for her, it was flowers. For some people, it's music that love music. They're like, I heard this music that was beyond anything I'd ever heard on earth. But where is the place where you feel close to God? Is it hiking? Is it art? Whatever it is, God wants to meet you and encounter you there in deeper ways. This is the place where you want to become aware of God's pleasure over you and who he created you to be. It's part of being authentic as a person. It's just like not making it religious. Sometimes we can celebrate things. Um, one thing because we deem it like spiritual and then other things we can maybe even judge people for. Like someone like Chad's been judged a lot. He's like, I love surfing and I encounter God in surfing. And people are like, well, why aren't you praying more? He's like, well, I, this is how I encounter God. <laughs> and so we need to remove, our, I, I want to give you permission as your pastor to get out of the religious box of this is the five ways that I can connect to God. And you have permission to connect to God in new ways. Amen. In nature, in art, in music, God created all those things. They're not the enemies. They're gods. He created those things. So I want you to get out of the box that you may have created that says, this is the only way to connect to God. God wants to show you new ways to encounter him in his presence. I want to just close with this. We have to have his presence in our life. We have to have his presence David said, God, don't take your presence away from me. David knew that with God's presence, he could face anything. He said, God, whatever you do, please don't take your presence away from me. I got really good news for you on this side of the cross. God has promised never to take his presence from you. 
You have the Holy Spirit doesn't just touch down on people like it did in the Old Testament. Now the Holy Spirit resides on you. Will never be taken away from you. Moses said, God, if your presence doesn't come with me, then I don't want to go. And even God told him to go. God said, go, I'm going to send angels with you. He said, wait, is your presence coming? Well, no, I'm going to send angels with you. Well, I don't want to go. Only want to go if the presence comes. We have to have his presence. And you can live with an awareness of his presence. I'd like you to stand to your feet this morning. Jesus, we need your presence. Father, we need your presence. Holy Spirit, we need you. We thank you that you're so close, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the best friend that we could ever encounter. We thank you, Father, that you fully love us. You fully accept us. There's nothing that we could do to make you love us more. It's impossible. We thank you, Christ, for your blood. We thank you that we're washed, we're clean, we're accepted, we're loved, we're embraced. There's nothing that can threaten us because there's nothing that can separate us from the love of the Father. Take us into deeper encounters. I just prophesy over you right now encounters with God. I prophesy over you encounters with the love of the Father. I prophesy over you encounters with joy, encounters with peace, overwhelming peace. No matter what you face, God's going to give you, you have his peace, no matter what you face. No matter what you face, you'll have his joy. There's nothing that can overwhelm you because his love is going to be surrounding you for your entire life. Amen.